Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 58 of Making It. I'm Jimmy DeResta here with Bob Claggett and David Picciuto. And thank you for listening, guys. And Bob's going to take it from here because he has the notes. <laughs> I have no notes. That was cool. Yeah. I'm glad you did it. Thank I didn't you. really think you'd do it. That's cool. <laughs> you dare me. I'll do anything. Okay. Um, so, everybody tweet at us ideas that we can dare Jimmy to do. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, actually, I'll talk a little bit in the show about something me and Dave are thinking about. Oh, Ooh. all right. Well, what's going on? Uh, what's going on? Go ahead. You, you go. You go, Dave. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. I always go. But I'll go. I'll continue to always go. Uh, So right now I'm working on, uh, you guys can see it there. I just made that door. Ooh. Yeah. And it's going to be hung as soon as we're done here. We're in my new uh, band room, podcast room, and that's a closet back there. And I had to, it's, I had to make a custom door because the closet that I made is not a standard door frame. So working on that. um, Is it like a sliding door? No, it's, it's a hinge door. It's going to have just a little latch. And then um, uh, in here, I'm building two corner cabinets. That's what I'm working on now. That's that I'm actually, I didn't film the door. There's no reason to film the door. But the corner cabinets in here, I am filming. But they're, it's not going to be like a very detailed build because they're very specialized cabinets for my stuff. And then um, I got a lathe project I'm also working on, but I'm not going to reveal that yet. I think that lathe one will be my next video, and that'll be a surprise for everybody. Ooh, what's a surprise? What you what it is that you're making? Yes, yes. This this not, is not so that well, you're using a lathe. No, 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 no. Surprise! <laughs> I uh, it's that whole commitment thing and telling you know everybody what we're working on and then possibly not coming through on that and dealing mm. with with it's all right. that. I think stuff. everybody's pretty forgiving. Yeah, you know everybody except this one guy. <laughs> you know <laughs> who you that, are. You? Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so basically, I'm uh, my my shop is in working order since the whole basement renovation thing, but everything is not in its proper place. So I'm currently working on that, and I, uh, two Saturdays from now, my buddy's coming over and he's helped me film this epic shop tour video. So I'm trying to get everything done, including my office upstairs and this band room for that that video because it's all going to be in one. So. Might probably won't be as epic as Bob's 360 video, but I think epic in a in a different way. At least I'm trying to make it so. Well, you have a green screen, so you can really make it. As <laughs> I can epic do as whatever want. I want. <laughs> and there's New Zealand right there on my wall. Yeah. You build a project in front of the Trevi Fountain in Rome. Ooh. Yeah, or in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, Bob would pick space. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. That's fine. Speaking of, can we nerd out? Well, I'm gonna nerd out for a second. Yeah. Go. The dude who's shooting um, the, not the next Star Wars, but the one after that, episode nine, wants to shoot part of it in space. Oh. He wants to actually send cameras up and shoot. I don't know what. I mean, it's black with stars, but I thought that was pretty cool. That's John pretty Waters shooting that? No. Colin Tavaro? Tavaro? I don't know what his name is. Hmm. Guy that did Jurassic World. Anyway. So is it going to be acting in space? Like, are they going to go up and. I can't imagine that. Because, you know, in the future, anything's possible, but then you're going to be constricted to, like, the space station, and everyone's going to be floating around talking to each other through microphones. Yeah, I mean, in, in Star Wars, in most science fiction, there's, like, artificial gravity on every ship and all that. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's probably just for, like... You know, just just for so people will talk about it five years before it comes out. Probably, yeah. 
ah, he won. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great idea. I'm just, you know, yeah. obviously it's like, we don't know the deets, but yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, I love those airplanes that go up and then have zero gravity. Did you ever see those? They do the, like the par- par- yeah. parables, is it called? Parables? They fly up and then do a quick dip and yeah. then everybody in the plane is weightless. For just, and it's like 30 seconds or something. At, yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, in that, in that third one, the, the space one, Chewie dies. No! Mm. He goes peacefully yeah. though. It's very possible. Into space. Is that true? Are you making that up? I'm sorry. I'm, make, I'm making this up. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just trying. It's like, it's like several years. Yeah, from I'm now. trying to get people. He reminds me of the Yorkie. Up. So you know, he looks every time I look at my Yorkies. <laughs> Except a completely different sound from a Yorkie and a, and a Chewy. <laughs> if you step on their foot, it's usually the same sound. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, what are you working on? Uh, I Dave, Dave and I had just built this. This I probably was talking about it last week because it's a, sort of a thorn in my side. We just built the the walls and countertops and display bases for a uh, trade show booth that I am not going to install. I put my foot down. I said, I'm only going to deliver it to my sidewalk. From there, you're all on your own. So it's like a big erector set that these guys are going to have to put together on their own. And uh, <clears throat> I, Dave Instagrammed a picture of me on Duresta Shop cutting this like little slatted angled base thing. And that's that's one of the bases. We haven't Instagrammed any more pictures only because we've just been busy, but I've been working on that. And thankfully that's just about done. And uh, then I have to start working on a new video for my channel, which I haven't even come up with any really good ideas that are, that are grabbing me. I have a couple of thoughts. So I might actually end up building a new dresser for my apartment. I want to build maybe three or four of them. So I got to come up with something that's like modular. So it'll be like two and a half feet, two and a half feet, two and a half feet. So I'm thinking about something like that. So I might build at least one of those for an upcoming video. And that's it. Just uh, put out a tips video, number 11, the router tips video, which was a relief to get off my chest. And, and it came out good. And me and Dave had some fun. And actually, Elm City Dave, uh, who's another good channel you guys should check out, he texted me during the week when he knew that we were working on it because we had tweeted about it a little bit. And he says, you should put outtakes at the end like they used to do in the old Burt Reynolds movies. And... And it was, it was a very funny idea. So at the end of the tips video, I put some outtakes and everyone really responded to them. So I'm going to probably do that from, from this point on. So thanks, Dave, for that. Oh, nice. Jimmy, did you know that Bob never has any outtakes because he gets everything nailed on the first try? I know. I don't know. How, maybe that's, that's, that's actually not true. That's programming. I, one, of my videos, one of my videos does have outtakes. <laughs> oh. oh. He, he, Bob just opens the plate in his chest and switches no outtakes and then closes. <laughs> <laughs> no on. outtakes this week. <laughs> no, I stole that joke from a friend because he said, you know, the Duresta family were all, me and my brothers are all so very determined. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you guys just open the plate in your chest and click to no failure and then close the plate. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> there's a project there somewhere. I mean, you know, no surgery involved, but there's, there's a project. You're going to make like that. a plate chest? Like, <laughs> like I jokingly talk about it all the time, but that Star Wars thing where, uh, Triumph the insult dog is talking to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which button calls your mother to come, come pick, pick you, you up, up after the movie? <laughs> He's talking to Darth Vader. He says, Which one of these buttons do you push to call your mother to come pick you up? <laughs> That's an awesome skit. Um, yeah. So for me, I have been working on several things. I finished up the videos for part two and part three of the arcade cabinet. And wait. It's done. Looks great. Um, so they're going out. The first one will be out by the time this shows out. The next one will be up next week. And then I just finished a secret project as well that I'm not going to 
say the details on, but it's music related. Ooh. And the reason I'm not going to say anything about it is because it's actually for another YouTuber. So I'm doing part of it, sending it to them, and then they're doing part of it, and then we're going to release the videos at the same time. So nice. Yeah, it should be cool. So yeah, that, I'm working on those, trying to get um. That video is for later on, but uh, the arcade stuff's finished up, and so I'm a couple of weeks ahead, so I'm going to try to... Hey, can I ask you on the arcade? I mean, it's yeah. a beautifully shot video and, and really well done on the storage. Is it filled up yet? Do you like? Do you, what are you putting in the volume of all that stuff? Do you know yet? Have you put stuff in there? Um, I've put some stuff in it. <clears throat> I've only filled up a couple of the pull-out drawers from the side, in the back, um, and I've mainly just moved my old video games like the old Nintendo and games oh, and that's cool. controllers and all those kind of things I want to keep just because I like the old part of them, but yeah. I don't really have a place to put them or display them. Yeah. Anything, so. That's like with me. It's like I have like tons of old cell phones and they always just show up. I never know what to do with them, <laughs> but I don't want to throw them out because they're like moments in time. Hmm. You know, like if you, they're just like, they're funny. They're like little spots in time. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I have some of them filled up but not all of them yet I, so the back the one side panel that opens and the whole idea was that it would be i made the drawers to fit uh blu-rays and dvds because we have a lot i still buy physical media for movies because we often take them in the car for kids to watch and things like that like we have different reason to buy the physical stuff and um so that was the idea that i would just be able to open it up open a drawer get a movie out you know and move on not, I didn't really think about the fact that it was sitting where I was going to put it in our living room is right next to a small table. And there's a gap between them so you can see the artwork, but there's no place for me to just swing the door open. I was wondering about that. You need a full, complete side open to get that right. door exactly 90 degrees to open up the back drawers. Yeah. So the whole cabinet is on furniture sliders, so it's fairly easy to move, but it's not as convenient as I had hoped. So I can slide it away from the wall to open the side panel. But it's not, you know, that's not something I'm going to do like every day when my yeah. kids want to watch a movie or something. Um, but so, ultimately, if you find a place for it to live where it just has clear on either side, you'll always be able to get at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, not a big deal either way. Yeah. No, but it was, but it was it's, great. I was wondering what you were going to do with all that empty space in there. Yeah, I mean, we have so much stuff. We'll fill it up <laughs> with something. But yeah, I have a lot of books and a lot of things that I like to have access to, but I don't really need on display. So it'll probably be things like that. Yeah, very cool. Um, so this week, we got an email from my buddy Bill Duran at Punished Props, who I've talked about several times. And uh, he started listening to the show recently. Thanks, Bill. And he talked about it on another show that he's on. That was cool. But he sent us a question that I thought was, or a couple of questions I thought were kind of cool. And it was, what would you say your biggest business blunder is? And then which business decision would you say you're most proud of? I thought that was really cool. And I mentioned that to Jimmy and you came up with a similar idea, which was. Yeah. Talking about turning points in our lives and even our careers kind of more recently moments in time that you look back and you think if I would have took the left road or the right road or vice versa, you know, away from the, the direction you ended up, things could have turned out differently. So that's, you know, make, making decisions at very critical points in your life. But at the moment in time, you weren't quite sure how critical it was until you look back. You guys have any anything that stands out in that? Well, the one thing that stands out for me personally, and I always say, and I've said it in interviews before, I might have even said it on the show, there was a time when, and, and after thinking about it some more, because I talked about it recently, it, I, was, I was comfortably afraid where I was. It was right after high school for me, and I did not 
have any plans of going to college because I just didn't come from that culture. Like where I, where I grew up, my father and his uncle and his father and my uncle, my dad's brother, just became firemen. That was it. You know, you grow up to a certain age, you get married at 20, and then you become a fireman at the same time. And then your life is set. You always have a job. But I did not plan for that. I also didn't plan for college. I didn't like, college to me was overwhelming. So I took a job. I was working at a sign shop and I was kind of comfortable in my ignorance. I was just comfortable working at this job. I was making money. I had no real plans. And then one day I got into a fight with the owner and I quit. And and now I was forced. I, I literally quit. I We got into an argument because I came in late and he, he was going to send me home and dock me a day's pay. And I said, well, you can't dock me a day's pay because I quit. And he's like, you can't quit. And I said, you know, F off, I quit. And I walked out. And that very moment in time, I went home and I said, now what am I going to do with my life? And that same day, I went and I joined School of Visual Arts. It was a, more of a lengthy process, but I at least went to night classes at the very beginning and then ultimately became a full-time student. But that particular day, I talked about it in the, the podcast I did recently with John. But on that particular day, my life took a turn in the direction it is in now. And I often think to myself, if he was if he was comfortable with me being late and just let me be late, I wonder where my life would have gone. I don't know if I would have ended up where I am now. You know, so there's mm. a few moments in in my life like that where I think about it. And like I said, I didn't mention this in the few previous times I talked about this, but I was lazy. Like I knew I should have been pursuing a college career. I knew I should have been pursuing a a life in college at the time. I was twenty, whatever, eighteen, nineteen years old, and I was just lazy. And more than that, I was fearful. I was like, you know, fear of the unknown. And uh, so, in hindsight, I got I got past some of my fears. So later in life, when I was faced with certain decisions, I always took the uncomfortable decision, which not necessarily because it was uncomfortable, but because I knew it was the right decision. You know, so I, I still try to do that from time to time. So that's just yeah, my first example a- that comes to mind. Yeah, that's a pretty good just kind of like general thing is yeah. to to not always just take the the one that makes the most sense just for the sake of it making sense and being easy, you know. Like you're when you when you're faced with decisions the easiest road is not always necessarily the best. It's not always the worst, right? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I knew I, I should have applied to college sooner, but I just was like fearful. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know if they're going to accept me. You know, I I actually had applied to RISD and it was too comp- it was like so complicated for me, for me personally. I, I wasn't very good with, you know, administrative red tape and filling out applications and stuff. I mean, I just kind of coast through life. And if it happens, it happens. I'm not very good at forcing things to happen. At least I wasn't. I try to be more so like that in my, you know, in the second half of my life. But in the beginning, you know, it was never, it was never easy for me to do that. And I would just avoid it. Like I knew it was uneasy. So I was just like, meh, just ignore it. Maybe I'll accidentally have success just doing nothing, you know, but that mm. obviously doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of had a similar, at the, at the same point in my life, I had a similar thing happen. So I was going to go, the original plan after high school was I was going to go to University of Kentucky and do graphic design. And I had a little bit, had been doing some like, you know, computer-based art stuff and was interested in graphic design. But I was going to go there not because of, so a lot of people that I grew up went with, went to a state school right there. There's a few of them there. And it's a fairly easy thing to do because it's local. You're close to your family. You know, all your friends from high school are going to be there and all that stuff. And so that was kind of part of the, well, I'll just go there because that's what a lot of people do. And 
they have a mediocre at best graphic design department. So at least I could get a degree there, you know, like, so I was less concerned about like, am I going to be getting a good education at this thing that I want to do? Or um, am I just going to be getting a degree that's like the, the thing you're supposed to do? So that was the plan. And I was dating this girl at the time who lived in South Carolina. I had met her at like a, a camp through the summer and we'd been dating for a long time. And so somehow I got on the hunt for a school that was closer to her. And then that led me to Savannah, which was a couple hours away from her. And so then I started looking at SCAD, came up with this whole big thing about, oh, well, I can do graphic design there. Not at all thinking about like, this is a fantastic school to do graphic design at. It was, it's closer to the girl that I like right. and I can still get the same degree, you know? So I started looking at it for the entire wrong reasons and just, you know, 17 year old boy reasons. And so I ended up going to SCAD, came down, and then we broke up maybe a month into school. <laughs> and it was over. And now you had to start looking at some of the good attributes because <laughs> you stuck there. Well, I realized once I got there that what I was surrounded by was entirely different than what I expected. Maybe it was what I had expected college to be or what I expected, you know, like instead of being around my friends from high school, I was now surrounded by people from all over the world that came to the school. Yeah. I just got, you know, exposed to a lot of different types of skill sets and people types and languages and, you know, cultures and all the stuff that a school like that can bring together. And it just caught me off guard. And part of the, uh, you know, like me breaking up with this girl and moving on was like, wow, I'm the world is way bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And this girl is not really the biggest thing in the world anymore to me. And, um, so it was, it's interesting to look back though, because I could have taken, you know, chasing the same degree, the same like college degree, I could have gone in two different places that definitely would have changed where I ended up being and, and how effective that degree actually was in my life. You know, like I would have gotten a very different education on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one that comes to mind for me. So when I graduated high school, Back in 93, I had no plans of going to college. Just just wasn't a thing that we did in our family. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I got a job at Kmart. And then after, um, well, I got a job at a factory, but I realized real quick that I'm not a factory worker and quit right away. Got a job at Kmart. And it took me five years to realize maybe I should go to college if I want to do something. So wow. See, it I, took me. It took me one year, and I, and I felt like I was late. Wow. And uh, what well, if I wouldn't went to college right away, like everybody else, I probably wouldn't have cared. I probably wouldn't have done well. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. went because I wanted to go, and when I was ready to go, yeah. And I did really good. And I I, I was I got terrible grades in high school. Like I barely graduated high school. Mostly because I, I barely didn't care. graduated high school. I had the worst grades. Yeah, and uh, but when I went to college, no, I did. <laughs> I'm <just> <laughs> Bob, but when I went to college, I got triple great A's. Grades. Who are you kidding? I did not. I got bad you, grades. Uh, Go ahead, Dave. You liar. You got bad grades. You got an A. <laughs> uh, I'll whip out <laughs> no. my. I'll 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 text you guys a photo of my graduating uh, grade card or whatever it's called. It, I barely graduated, um, but when I went to college, I got really good grades because I cared and I actually I enjoyed it. I don't. I didn't enjoy high school. But I enjoyed college. It was fun. And so I, 
I always told myself, man, when I have kids, I'm never going to make them do anything because I waited and it worked out for me. But now I'm, we decided to never have kids. But, um, and so I went to school for graphic design and that's kind of like a broad thing to go to school for within that. Mm -hmm. uh, these days, it could be um, motion graphics. It could be video. It could be photography. Yeah. Um, a lot of advertising. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of things. So, uh, and when you choose that path, you can make career pivots and changes quite a bit. And I have uh, one of the biggest blunders or failures that I've ever had is I think every single graphic artist, web developer, programmer, when they're working, I think they everybody dreams of starting their own business. And I, I was at a job that I wasn't getting paid very well or they had trouble paying me at times. And so I just quit. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to work freelance. I got a bunch of jobs and that lasted about a summer and I failed. I failed big where I was like scrambling, trying to figure out where the, how I'm going to pay the bills. And I learned a lot from that failure. I learned that I didn't hustle enough. I didn't care enough and I didn't, I wasn't ready for all the stuff that I had to do, which is why I think I'm doing okay now. Although I do think I need to hustle a little bit more and, and, and try a little bit harder, but uh, I don't have long-term goals anymore because I keep changing my mind on what I want to do. Hmm. I have some, long, you, I have long-term goals in the way of like, you know, financial freedom ultimately. And right. All these little decisions we make in between, you know, this little zigzaggy path to that, those decisions come up as you go, you make them, you know, those are all your short-term goals. So it's your big one. Yeah. Do you, David, do you not make those go long-term term goals because you change your mind a lot or, you like is it intentional like you're i'm just not going to make goals because they don't ever line up or is it like i just don't want to have goals it's that's a good question i think i need to think about it a little bit longer but i i think it's that i don't i just don't have a desire to make a long-term goal there are financial longer-term goals you know kind of like jimmy said because i want to be more comfortable or i want to have certain things um but I have, I definitely have a lot of short-term goals and those are, those, here's, those are just more attainable. Those are like, I can, I can accomplish those and move on to the next one where long-term goals, they're really hard to accomplish and they, they change over time. So, well, sorry, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I mean, I, I think I made the point I wanted to make. Okay. So I have a challenge. Everybody can do what they want, of course, but I would challenge you to make some long-term goals, but change how you're defining a long, long-term goal. So if before your idea of a long-term goal was like, I'm going to make X amount of dollars a year, then change that, the wording in your mind and the, the thing that's going to accomplish it, change that to like, I'm going to make enough money a year that I can do this specific thing. And the difference here is that you're, if you're chasing a number, then you'll, you'll do anything to get to that number, you know, but if you're like, if I want to get to a vacation in Costa Rica, if that's the goal, then I'm going to find creative ways to get to Costa Rica and not necessarily do whatever I have to do to get a certain amount of money, which will get me to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I know that's a small distinction, but it's, once like, you changing, start it's like changing the carrot. Yeah, it's like change, yeah. changing the frame about how you make a goal can change whether it's attainable or not, or mm -hmm. like whether it's worthwhile or not, or whether yeah. you even want to get to that goal. Um, I found myself changing, especially after I had kids, but the stuff that I wanted our family to have down the road 
uh, changed a lot because we had more kids than we had originally thought, you know, and it's just like not realistic to go to Disney every two years with four kids or whatever the thing is. But if the goal is now we do something every two years as a family so that those kids are building memories, that's an attainable goal, you know? So anyway, I would challenge anybody looking at long-term goals to just change how they frame them rather than not do them at all. That's a <laughs> really good point. And I, I've said this in the past on, on goals is try not to find happiness in accomplishing the goals, but try to find happiness in the path to the goals. Because if you, if, if everything is based on accomplishing a goal, then once you do that, you're super happy, but then it goes right, it goes away real quick because then you're moving on to the next one. And so mm-hmm. if you can find ways to find happiness on the way to the goal, you're, you'll be better off. But Bob, you mm-hmm. make, you make a really good point. And maybe, maybe I was looking at it the wrong way, you know? Well, no, I'm not saying you're doing it the wrong way. Everybody has a different, you know, yeah, right, right. For what they're doing. But I think if, if having long-term goals is something that you're interested in doing, you can do that to where it turns out to be realistic in the end, mm-hmm. depending on how you frame the thought. Right. But anyway. Yeah. So now that we're way off topic. <laughs> well, I have a best business decision. You guys want to hear? Oh it? yeah. Go for it. I, I think, and, and it's, it's an obvious one. It's me starting my YouTube channel or at least going back to YouTube. I had started a channel and I was, I put up some oddball things in the hopes of maybe getting a, you know, a viral video. I, I, I made this stupid video. It wasn't even a video that I was trying to do anything with. I would just, uh, I had made a, a roller coaster for someone's cupcakes and I did like a two second thing on the camera with it and I put it on YouTube and it got like over half a million hits. Wait, you did a roller coaster? I for made a, a roller coaster. Yeah, this is one of the first like five videos I ever put up. Is so it I'm still talk- up there? No, no, I took it down. This is so no. stupid. It was, I made a roller coaster out of like hot glued sticks together for a caterer so he could put cupcakes on it for a kid's party. And I put it up just as I was starting an online portfolio and it got, Half a million hits because everybody was curious about a roller coaster, which is like a one of those things that gets searched a lot. And everyone's like, "Why am I here? This isn't a real roller coaster." That's what all the comments were. <laughs> and uh, so, like, that was the only YouTube success I had. And I was trying to put up little trailers. I had done the TV show Hammered, so I was trying to put up little snippets of Hammered, and none of them were catching on. And so I was kind of disillusioned with YouTube. And then I went back and I did a couple TV shows, of course, and then I did. I did the show for Discovery Channel, which I thought, okay, this is it. Me and my brother, we finally made it. We're with the big boys. And then, you know, in hindsight, nobody cared at all at the network. You know, the show got got canned literally before it even aired. And because the network executives internally all switched around. So we had, in hindsight, it was so clear. But in the time, we were like still hoping for success. But when we look back, I remember the moment in time when the internal networks uh, executives had changed and our show literally got thrown on the scrap heap before it was even done. So once it was done, they aired it and they were done with their obligation. And that was the end of it. Um, but starting YouTube, going to YouTube and saying, uh, you know, I'm going to show them what they, what they're missing out on. A lot of things that accomplished a lot of things for me. It got me away from the idea of letting somebody else do all this hard work for me and knowing that I had to do it myself. And what I was doing, waiting around for these TV successes to occur. I mean, yes, I was very successful in the way that I got to the, to the, to the game. I got to the table to at least have the opportunity to show these, these concepts and, and make these TV shows. But every single time we were right there waiting, we were letting everybody else handle it and hoping that they would make the right decisions. And nobody ever did make the right decisions for me and my brother. So, when I finally got over the idea of, I'm never going to let anybody film me again. I'm going to do it all myself. I'm going to edit it all myself. I'm going to show everybody the right way that it should be done. 
and I'm not saying I'm like wildly successful, but in comparison to my TV career, I'm I'm so much more happy doing it myself. I'm so much more fulfilled. And at this point, I've made more money doing it on YouTube than I ever did in TV, believe it or not. I made much more money doing my YouTube stuff in these few short years than I ever did in the in the 80 half hours of TV that I've ever done. And and it's all me. And and it's so much more rewarding. And I speak directly to the people that are involved with me, my fans and my friends. So as far as business goes, probably one of the most important business decisions I made in a successful manner was was looking at my YouTube and cultivating my YouTube channel and, and just basically taking the reins and not letting somebody else try and make me a successful entertainment entity and just doing it myself. Hmm. So that was long-winded, but... No, that's cool. Um, I got another one that's kind of like that about you know taking charge, um, and it actually involves you two. So when I started my channel, um, it was moving along a little bit, you know, very, very slowly, but it was moving. And um, from watching, I've probably told this story several times, but anyway, from watching David's show, I he said he wanted. Uh, <laughs> 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 sorry, let me describe what I'm seeing. Please right now, do real quickly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jimmy. Jimmy has a long fork with <laughs> with hand. like a cur- curved thing. I don't know what that is. is it's it a, a metal back scratcher. Yeah, metal, metal back scratcher, and he's combing his beard and his mustache into the camera. <laughs> when these guys talk, I just play with my junk drawer in front of me. I had the sound shut off so that I didn't interrupt, and then I'm just visually playing with myself in the camera. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should just like put the video of Jimmy with no sound on every, all the stuff he plays with. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying was that um, so David, you know, had his show and said, you know, send me your work if you want me to put it on the show. And so I, even though I wasn't terribly confident about the videos that I was making or and I didn't, I honestly didn't think it was what he was looking for to be on a show, I took the initiative to send him a link. And honestly, I think that was probably one of the biggest turning points for the business that I'm in now. It was just that changed every, everything, where everything was going and at the rate that it was growing. Um, and it was all just because I had the guts to just send an email. Likewise, for Jimmy... I had a lot of respect for this dude who I'd seen on TV and I was watching his videos and, you know, he obviously knew what he was doing. And I don't know I took, anything. <laughs> I <just keep laughs> well, guessing. I know that now. I know that now. But at the time, I thought you knew what you were doing. Yeah. And um, so, no, I took the initiative to send him an email to ask him about pricing because I was trying to figure out whether I was going to be selling the stuff that I made or if I was going to be making videos. And at that point, I hadn't really figured that out. Didn't have any clue I how to price the stuff. And so I just sent him an email thinking, like, he probably gets a ton of email. He's never going to write me back. And he did. And it was really helpful. But the point being is that I was at a place where I, I didn't know how to take my videos and the channel anywhere. It was like, well, it's, you know, it's passive at this point. I just got to hope people find it. But I took really simple steps just to reach out to people that I didn't know. And actually, this carries over even more because I started doing brain pick, which was a matter of me and, and you two were the first two guests. Yep. For that reason, because I had already reached out to you. But after that, I was like, well, I have to have other people. So I started reaching out to people that I didn't know. I didn't really have any business talking to and asked them if they would help me by being a guest on this show. And those shows um, were a big learning process for me, but they were also a way from to, to get my content in front of those people's audience. All of that to say that just a little bit of initiative 
um, you know, putting yourself in a place where you don't know if you're going to get a response to where you don't know the people that you're trying to reach can, can not always, but can turn out to be really big. No, and I say it to my students all the time. I tell my students, you're a student. People want to see you do good. They want to see you succeed. And, and that's also the same with anybody out on YouTube or anybody that gets content from YouTube or anything in the world. Reach out. People want to see people be successful. And, and if it's, you know, not a cavalcade of emails and in due time, you know, you, I always answer people that ask me questions as much as possible. And if you're listening and I didn't answer you, hit me again. You just got lost in the mix. But uh, I, you know, I don't get so many emails that I can't answer them all. But I'm more than happy to answer students that call me and ask me questions, young, young YouTube channels that, you know, want to plug. You know, because like I said, we all want to see each other succeed. It's a very rare person that's jealous and deceitful. Something that I, I'm sorry, something that I struggle with is the balance between asking and letting things come to me. So, Bob, you're talking about, you know, you you took the initiative to go out and just ask. And it's asking is really uncomfortable. And sometimes, well, uh, sponsors, I make a good portion of my living from sponsors. I have never gone to somebody and said, hey, will you sponsor me? I let them come to me. And it feels like I, I'm, I'm at a, an advantage when they come to me. But there's got to be a certain point where I have to start pushing. I have to start I have to start asking. And I, and I don't know how you guys deal with that balance. Like our buddy Luis has talked many times. He's, he's said, hey, you know, go to this company and just ask for their product. And I'm like, no, it's not something that I do. And Sometimes like, Luis has done it for us and, yeah. <laughs> and he deserves and, a huge, huge props. And when I say, you know, that's not something that I, that I do, he, he, you know, he, he gave me this look like, what, what are you talking about? Just, just ask him. I don't know. Do you guys struggle with that balance? At not all? at all. I ask everybody for anything and I always yep. get ignored. I've written the <laughs> Levi's, I've written the Chevy, I've written everybody I want to work with and they don't answer me. But now I'm doing, I'm going through a different path. You guys know I have a friend helping me out trying to get some bigger fish. So, yeah. And uh, we've gotten through some doors, no big giant deals yet, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting, fun pursuit and it's just as much fun for my buddy who's helping me. So he's excited about it. So Yeah, I, got, I mean, I got a couple of things there. Like when it comes to sponsors, I'm kind of the same way. Um, I don't go looking for them unless there's like a company that I just really want to do something with. I, like I love so-and-so and I, I just want to yeah those you know, are the companies if, I reach even out if to. I take a hit I really still want to just do something with that company mm-hmm. otherwise I let the sponsors come to me which means they don't always come I'm still waiting know? for my email back from Harry shave cream they haven't answered me back <laughs> but <laughs> I let joke. them come to me for a couple of reasons <laughs> one because I don't want to I don't want to get so bogged down with sponsors that every video I do has a sponsor and if I start going out looking for them, that might end up happening. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. kind of like that internal dilemma there. Yeah. But also I want, when a company comes to me and wants access to the people that watch my videos, I want to have the upper hand. And I don't mean that in a negative, you know, kind of like, you know, sketchy way at all. From a business perspective, I want negotiating. No, absolutely. You know, I, you know, I recently had, I probably talked about this. I had a Skype call with a, with a casting director and he's asking me all these questions. And I'm like, dude, you called me. He's like, he's asking me as if like I contacted him. He's being so like upper handed and weird. And, and I just had a reminder. I'm like, you called me. You're the one that wants me to do something. I didn't reach out to you. He said, so let's just set the tone correctly right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I did that and I'm never going to hear from them again. And even if I do, I'm going to say, I don't want to work for you guys. You know, because they reached out to me. I felt like I was the one that had the upper hand and I didn't have to tap dance basically 
You know, right. like he reached out to me and he knows what I'm qualified for because he saw me online and he figured out, hey, and it's the same thing with a with a sponsor. You want them to reach out to you because they feel you're qualified to rep their product. Yeah. And then this way you could say, oh, you like what I do? Yeah. And I mean, being like that way, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're in the position to, to take it or leave it, you know, rather than like going yeah. to somebody, you ask for a sponsorship and they give you like a half of what you hope to get back. Then you have to be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, or, but, but I mean, it's, it's also I mean? like you said. Uh, you said you reach out to like the. I'm reaching out to some really big fish, and even if they like willing to to work with me a little bit, I'd be more negotiable. You know, I'm just trying to get the attention, so I'm just screaming, saying, "Hey, hey, recognize me!" Yeah. You know, but I mean, they did come to me, and I'd be like, "You know what? That 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 doesn't suit me. I'm sorry. I, you know, I still love your product, but I just can't talk about it publicly." You know, this, it does expand beyond sponsors. I remember. I avoided Patreon for a long time because I me felt too. really weird asking people to give me money. And now once I got started, I'm like, oh, this is just a natural part of my thing. And even way before that, in my early videos, I didn't ask for people to subscribe or hit that like button or share this video because that sounds weird. It sound, and, and now it's, it's part of my thing. I just, it's just one of those things I've always struggled with. Like, what do I ask for? What do I just let happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a balance like everything else. You know, it's it depends on what your goals are and where you're trying to get to and and how much you decide you need to re- rely on outside, you know, stuff. Yeah. And sometimes that means you don't need to at all. Um, sometimes it's just occasional. You know, like f- with you guys, I wasn't actually trying to get like a business boost out of contacting either one of you guys at that point. It was just like, oh, I have a lot of respect for what this person is doing and mm-hmm. I th- you know, maybe they can give me an answer. Now I will say with reaching out to other people, because I've now had a fair amount of experience with reaching out to people I don't know um, and people doing the same to me and I'm glad to help anytime I can. But I think if you reach out to somebody and you ask for a whole lot, either that's a whole lot of like work or, or a whole lot of answers at one time, <laughs> you're less likely to actually get a response. But if you say, like I said to Jimmy, you know, like, I don't know how to price. Like, do you price by the hour or by the day or what? That's like a, you could answer that in a single word. Mm-hmm. And I would have gotten the answer, you know? Right. And so I think if you're looking for outside influence or help or answers or whatever, and you ask digestible, answerable questions, you're going to get a better response than if you're like, because I, I do get some emails on occasion that are like, hey, how do you do YouTube? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if we have two hours, I can tell you what I've done and see if that is the answer to your question. I'm not really sure, but but I'm never going to email that person back with an answer because I can't. There's just, yeah. there's no way. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But if they had said like, you know. I, I'm still I, waiting small, for my answer, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to email you back, Jimmy. How do I do YouTube? How do I, how do you do YouTube? <laughs> right. Anyway, I think you get my point. Yeah, cool. All right. So yeah. to bring the ship back on course. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. So my, I, I think obviously my, the best decision was to work for myself again the second time because holy cow, I'm so much happier now and things, it's, this is fun I get to work with awesome people like you guys and who knows where this is going to take me. So, and, and, and a little sub version of that is this podcast, right? Who knows where this podcast is going to be five years from now? This could be, could be, could be huge or it could be just, 
this fun thing that we do every week. I notice we're not in the top 150 because I scrolled all the way down on uh, <laughs> iTunes yesterday. Well, we're, we're working on that. Not we're going to do some things this this year and and, uh, and help that out. Yeah. But well, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you, you don't know where any of this stuff's going. And that's kind of the exciting thing about it. You know, you know a lot I mean, of it too. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about in my pick, but uh, I've been listening to someone who's uh, who was a big part of of my you know becoming a uh, an entertaining maker, a visible maker, entertainment distributor, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he always says just showing up, and you know the fact that we just show up like no matter like we always just show up for this mm-hmm. conversation every week at the very least. You know, it's like it's never if we, any one of us are going to be five minutes late or if we have to reschedule. We do that. But typically, like, I haven't talked to you guys since last week. And literally 10 minutes before we all got together, I'm like, are we good for four? And you're like, yep. So, you know, just showing up and constantly showing up, whether it's for a job interview or whether it's for, you know, a potential client, just showing up and not being late. You know, those simple things are are huge business decisions for success, you know, in in the way of success. And you just never know, you know, like... Tomorrow I'm taking a meeting with some agent guy. Uh, you know, I know who he is and I, I don't necessarily uh, need his help. I don't think so, but I'm going to go talk to him. You know, and uh, and when he asked me, uh, when I got an email from him directly and not from his assistant, who's always sending me out on like Skype calls. And I was like, oh, well, he finally paid attention to me. So he might as well just have a meeting with him. But I don't hmm. know what he's going to be able to do for me. But it can't hurt. It can't hurt to just go and show up, you know. Yeah, I mean, making the effort... Of any sort, you know, just, well, I guess it's kind of back to what I was talking about, reaching out, just taking that single step to do something, whether that's being in the meeting or sending somebody an email or whatever, um, you know, you have to be there to actually get the job, right? So that's a a big part of it. I've been listening to a book and this wasn't going to be my pick, but I will recommend it. And actually it was recommended to me by Bill Duran who asked these questions. Um, And it's called The Lean Startup. Hmm. I just started to listen to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Twice yeah. now. And, yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah. Um, and so anyway, from what I've heard of it so far, it's a lot about, you know, um, making the the smallest viable product, whatever they call it. And it's, you know, just the bare minimum to get something out. And then you make it better. And then you make it better. And then you make it better. And that's been my approach to video making this entire time is like I figured out what I wanted to do. I did my best at the very beginning and then I've been trying to make it better as I go on, but I'm not letting, um, you know, those, those improvements like delay creating content because creating content is how you get better at creating content. And it's kind of the same thing for just showing up. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. You're not going to get the job unless you go to the interview. You're not going to get the interview unless you send a resume, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I have one more thing on my list as far as like uh, kind of turning points. I'm not sure. That I, this I is also a- I have another really good story, but you guys go ahead. I'll t- I just remembered one, but you tell yours and then I'll tell mine. Mine's quick. I don't have a. I don't think this really adds anything, but it was just on my list. <clears throat> so I, I started a company after after college, web design. We sold it to uh, an ad agency, and then I worked at the ad agency for several years in our old office from before, and so. It, came to a point to where this ad agency decided they wanted to move this office from Savannah to Hilton Head, which is about 45 minutes away. And there's nothing there but golf courses. It's just, I, there's no reason for anybody under 65 to live there or spend a lot of time there. <laughs> <clears throat> it's fine. But it, anyway, they wanted us to move there uh, 
and for us to have to commute. And so all of a sudden, they wanted me to commute an hour and a half a day. And I had a, yeah, I had like a, a nine-month-old, my first kid. And I was already kind of unhappy in the job anyway, but I was staying in the job because it paid well. It was comfortable. It was easy. I was kind of like at the top of the food chain because I had, you know, came in from this the owning the other company. And so I didn't really answer to anybody. It was just easy to do. And then all of a sudden, they threw this in our lap that like now you're going to have to drive an hour and a half to have a lame job. <laughs> and that was the point where I was like, oh, okay. You know, it was like outside of me. It wasn't me taking up the reins and being proactive and being like, I'm going to get a better job that I enjoy. It was somebody else throwing something on me. But being forced at that point, or not forced, at that point being like angry enough about that to find another job was what got me to where I am right now. And like it led me down a path that I wouldn't have gone down otherwise. And so that that's pretty interesting to look back and, you know, even though I'm talking about being proactive and taking those steps, this was a case where that didn't happen. Somebody just, you know, smacked me in the face with an awful commute that I was not willing to do. <laughs> but that's <laughs> so, what it is. Sometimes it's environmental and we have to make decisions yeah. based on that. Right. Yeah. I am um, I, I I showed you, I, I, I told you about it a few weeks ago, Bob, but I, I scripted this entire video. It's called, and the, it's, it's got a clickbait title, but like only watch this video if you hate your job. And it's basically like this, this today's talk makes me want to finish this video and get it out sooner now. Cause it was just kind of like a back burner thing, but it's all about my pivots and career changes. And when I wasn't happy, what I did to make those changes. And hmm. so I'm just, I'm giving a little teaser for a video that, will be out in the future, but maybe today's talk will, will kind of force me to put it out sooner. Awesome. Cause it's, cool. it's, it's all about the same thing. It's like, if you're not happy with something, change it. And you, even if you, you, many people think they can't, they're not in a position to, and you're underestimating well, yourself. Like, like I said, what I said in the beginning of my thing was it's a lot of fear based stuff, but you might not mm -hmm. even recognize that. You know, like I said, I recognize it in hindsight, but and I, by I changing, oh, by changing real quick. By changing that, it doesn't doesn't mean that you just like quit your job and go find a better job. Right. That's not necessarily the thing that has to happen. But yeah, you're right. If you're unhappy, take some steps to get happy or to enjoy what you're doing or be more productive or whatever the thing is that's making you unhappy. So I have a fork in the road story, which is it's kind of so everybody wants to know how I became friends with Nick Offerman, and it, and I'll explain the story. Nick. And my brother had done a show together and we had just finished Hammered. My brother and I did a show called Hammered and overlapping with Hammered, my brother did a show called American Body Shop and Nick was on that show. And Nick played this oddball inventor weirdo character and he's super funny. And this is all a few years before Ron Swanson was even conceived of. And uh, so John emailed me and said, hey, my, my, my buddy on my show is coming to visit New York. He wants to see, see if he could come meet you. And it was Nick. So Nick wanted to come meet me and see my shop. And so when he came, I, I was like, oh, hey, man, nice to meet you. You know, I never knew who he was up until that moment. I did some research. I realized he had done a lot of bit parts like John. And he was in a lot of small. He had also done a couple of little TV series, but nothing on the scale that he ultimately got to. So Nick said, hey, I'm in town. I'm going to build a canoe. Um, I'm looking for a place to build it. And he wanted to build it in my shop. And he looked around. He goes, it's definitely not enough room here for you and me to do this together. You know, for you to do your job and me to build a canoe for fun. So I'm going to look around in Brooklyn, any, any advice? And I said, no, check out Red Hook. So he, he called me like a week later and goes, hey, I found a shop. You know, if you want to come visit it, you come visit anytime you want. And he goes, but um, 
I called up this company that's going to give me the, the, the boats. They have a, a really horrible VHS tape, which shows you how to build the boat. It's kind of an accompaniment to Canoe Craft by Ted Moores, which is the book he was following. He says, I spoke to them and I asked them if you and I, he goes, I, I, goes, I hope you don't mind. I volunteered your services, you know, based on you approving that we would make a DVD on this. He goes, I've seen some of your videos and some of the stuff you do is cool. At that point, I had only done videos to sell shows, never to publish. And uh, so anyway, he offered me the job. And, and at first I was like, mm, I don't know, it's going to take a lot of time. And then uh, I was like, I go, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know, for a second I thought about it. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. And so he's like, well, that means we have to drive up to Canada to go get two boat canoe kits and meet the people and make a deal. And I, and I said, um, I'm kind of busy. I said, you can go without me, right? He's like, yeah, well, I'll do it without you. I was like, all right, cool. So then like four days passes and, and, I, and I thought about it. And I'm like, here I am about to take, I could take a road trip to Canada with this dude who's pretty cool. I was just getting to know him. And I can go meet the guy that wrote this book and see his shop. And so after thinking about it for about three or four days, I called him back and I was like, hey, can I still take that ride with you? He's like, sure. He goes, absolutely. I'd love for you to come. So the point being is I almost didn't go on this ride with him. I would have just let him do all the, the fun stuff and I would have just showed up to the, for the videotaping. But instead, I got on the ride with him. We drove to Canada. It was like a week-long trip. We drove up there. It was like a six-hour drive, eight-hour drive. We got there. We spent a few days with the people. We drove home. On the way home, I showed him my house. We drove back down through upstate New York, and I showed him my house. And when we got to the city, we were like, we, it was like a crash course in bonding. Like, if you ever got in a car with somebody and spent like seven days with somebody in a car, you can't help but bond. You know, we learned about each other's interest in music and art and, and movies and TV. And that's really how I became tight buddies with Nick was that car ride. That was our very first thing. And I almost didn't do it. So I feel we became friends on that car ride. Whereas if I didn't take the car ride, we, we would have just been like business associates. And I would have been that guy that made the videotape for him. And so there's a moment in time when I look back, I'm glad that I have his friendship and he's inspired me to be a better woodworker. And, uh, you know, a, and obviously the idea of the TV business and, and all that other stuff has, he's inspired me in many ways that way too. So, so that's somebody that became a friend that almost was just like a business associate in passing. So that's a long story, but. Hmm. That's good. I never yeah, heard yeah. that story before. Yeah, me either. Yeah. So that's what people say. So yeah. So that was it. And then of course we spent eight months making that DVD, filming the DVD, which was of course the bonding experience as well. So that was a lot of fun actually. So that's Canoe Craft, the DVD. Available on Amazon. Can you get it in a VHS? Uh, yeah, it comes in VHS. Great. No, it doesn't. It comes only in DVD. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, I'm and, not watching it. And that actually, too, because I said yes and I did that, I, I was like forced into making chapters in this book and, you know, where I'd never done any of that. I've only ever made like five and 10 minute videos of me and my brother goofing off trying to sell TV show ideas. And so I was forced into making like 10 chapters on this DVD and, editing hours and hours of footage and trying to be creative. And now I have to make this like, it ended up being like four hours long, but they cut it down to two. I had all this footage and I had to try and make it interesting. So it forced me to like keep coming up with interesting, fun shots. So, I mean, that was like my crash. That was definitely like my, uh, my crash course in filmmaking, even though I had done some, but there was one. Now I had other people on the hook and I had to like prove to people, Hey, look, I, you know, you made the right decision in choosing me. Up to that point, I had only ever done stuff for myself, so I could do the craziest, weirdest stuff. So now I had other people to please, and, and it worked out. Hmm. Awesome. Well, you guys got any other any stories, any more stories on this topic? 
Nope. Okay. Well, before we talk about what we're watching, I'm going to change up the order this week. And um, I, we really do enjoy getting questions because it's hard to come up with stuff to talk about every week. And so if you have questions you want to send us, uh, you can do it through email, through our site, or the best thing is probably just tweet at us, at Making It Podcast. Um, so yeah, send us questions. If you got something you want us to talk about. If you don't send us questions, we're just going to let Jimmy talk the entire time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. I love it. I'm going to get one um, star now on iTunes. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Mr. Trollman's going to go back. And- um, I also want to say a quick thank you to everybody that supports us on Patreon. Of course, we are very thankful for that. Yes. Um, especially Luis Gonzalez, Sean Petty, and Jeremy White. They're our top um, supporters over there. We're grateful for that. So, what are you guys uh, watching? So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I recommended a book, uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I might want to take that one back. Hmm. Because Interesting. <laughs> it's, I, that book screwed my head up. Because now I, <laughs> I, I just want to get rid of everything. And I'm in this mode of just like, just cleaning house. And I, I look at all the stuff that I have. I'm like, I don't need any of this stuff. And I think I'm annoying my wife with it. And I'm like trying to get her to get rid of uh, get her to get rid of all her stuff. So maybe I should take that back. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the book had uh, quite an effect on me. Um, but this week's, I'm going for. Well, I want to tell everybody that uh, David's sitting and he's got no clothes on. He's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't need clothes, dude. <laughs> we had to buy him another microphone. We got rid of the microphone. I'm getting rid of this microphone as soon as this podcast is over with. <laughs> no beard. Oh. Beard's gone. <laughs> I don't need this beard. All I need is. This lamp. This lamp. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got a little lazy and I didn't have a pick coming into the show. And so I'm going through my history. And so I'm going for the real easy, low hanging fruit. Everybody loves this guy, Izzy Swan. We maybe mm. we talked about him before, but he has yeah. this like collapsible table that turns into a table that then turns into a bigger table that turns into a bigger <laughs> table. It's amazing. And it, he built like a kind of like a prototype. And that's what the video was. And I just love hinges. How do you? Make a hinge close and then close in its perpendicular yeah. direction. It's crazy. And uh, it's I just love seeing the, the thought process on how that is. And even yeah. though he said somebody else's podcast was his favorite podcast, it didn't, oh. it wasn't us. I, I still love that guy. Yeah, Izzy. His videos. He's <laughs> fired. Yeah. Just kidding. Such a smart dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been listening to Barry Katz's podcast all week long. And Barry and I go back. Barry sold my very first TV show, Trash to Cash. Barry's a comedian, manager, businessman in the comedy world. He's uh, executive produced a lot of TV shows and movies. Um, you know, his most uh, his most visible client, he's had a lot of clients, but uh, Dane Cook and a lot of uh, comedians, Dave Chappelle, have, have been all involved with, with Barry. And I knew Barry um, in 2002 and three and four. We worked together quite a bit. And uh, I haven't been in touch with him lately, and but I s- slowly got into his podcast, and it's a great insight into the TV entertainment business, if anybody is at all interested in that world of comedy. Uh, TV, you know, he's, he's had his hand in so many different things, and he has intimate stories of how, you know, big famous movies and things have occurred. And he What's has great called? guests on, too. It's called The Industry Standard with Barry Katz. Yeah, it's been up for about two years now. I'm finally listening. I knew about it when it first started, but I'm finally getting into it, and it's it's great. Hmm. Check that out. Um, so I've got a couple. One is just a product that I'm just currently wowed with. But first, 
Um, so somebody that I don't know on Twitter sent me a link to a documentary that he's working on. And it looks really interesting. I'm excited. It's not out yet. So he sent me the trailer and it's called Feld. And it's a documentary film about giving new life to fallen urban trees. And so from the trailer, it's just about all, about how these trees in urban environments just get thrown in the landfill because they're in the way. And so there's a few people wherever he lives that are going around trying to mill these and sell the wood to furniture makers so that they can turn, you know, local urban stuff into furniture. Um, and, it, you know, it looks like it's kind of a passion project, like they're they care about this and they're making a movie about it. So, yeah, I'm looking for it. All I've seen is the trailer, but I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think it's out this summer, maybe. And then the other thing, and this is totally just something I'm geeking on at the moment, the Amazon Echo. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, I, I saw the Super Bowl commercial for it. Okay, so I, this is one of those, like, I love gadgets. It came out a long time ago, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, that would be really cool for, like, five minutes. <clears throat> and I didn't, you know, want to pay the, because it's kind of expensive. Didn't want to pay the money for it's it. It's like Siri, right? It's basically Siri? Kind of, yeah. It's a it's like a speaker, um, and you can talk to, and it talks back to you. But the thing is, like, they've been adding features to it and adding software and things that it can do on a regular basis since it came out. So I looked at it last week for the first time in a long time and realized they can do all sorts of stuff now. And you can connect it to all these other services. So um, I have smart things, which I've talked about in some of my videos. They're like internet connected, like plugs and motion sensors and all this stuff. And the Echo can talk to them. So anyway, I ordered this Echo, just like, finally, I'm going to do it, play with it, see what it does. I got it in today. It took about five seconds to hook up two smart things. And then all of a sudden I said, Alexa, turn on the arcade. And my arcade turned on from a different room. And I said, <laughs> Alexa, turn off the arcade. And it turned off from the other room. <laughs> and I mean, totally felt like Tony Stark. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mainly got it so that in our living room and in our kitchen area, we can just play music because it's a, a good sounding speaker and you can just tell it what you want it to play and it'll play the music if it's on Amazon. You could say like so. Alexa put on Chet Baker and she'll find yeah. it in the lineup because she could read. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing. I, I, I tested read. it today. It just like, I mean, it has to be music that you've purchased or is in Amazon Prime's music thing. Right. Which, and there's a lot there. So it's not everything in the world. But anyway, I'm just currently wowed with, you know, the tech of it. Well, that's what, when you sent me that video for the first time, we were all talking on a, on a text thread when you sent the video of your 360 thing. And I said, isn't it amazing to be alive right now with all yeah. this new technology that comes up? You know, we could be wowed by the fact that like a car finally has a motor in it, you know, like if it's 1900, yeah. but there's all this other new cool stuff. Can you imagine if it was 1900 and you said, I'm going to talk to a tube and it's going to turn on something with electric. <laughs> and then somebody goes, what is electric? They would burn <laughs> What you. is a tube? What is a tube? Never mind. What is Amazon? Tubes Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty wild. And I mean, just also that it's accessible. Like, I don't imagine that that technology is exactly new. It's probably been around for a while, but probably in a capacity that was totally unrealistic for a person to have in their house. Yeah. And now it's just like a little thing, you know? It's on your phone. I mean, good grief. I don't yeah. Know. Anyway. Amazing. I've nerded out enough on technology for this episode. <laughs> oh, that's good. So. It's true. Cool. Well, um... I guess that's it for this week unless you guys got anything else no that's it thank you for the support appreciate it thank you yeah thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you next week bye 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 <laughs> bye everybody i'm not saying it.
say it. I love you.